0: Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. The title of the sermon this morning is, To This Day. To This Day. We'll begin reading with Joshua 13, but keep your Bibles handy you have your Bible on phone or tablet, keep them on because we're not just going to stay in Joshua 13. We're going to move from several chapters this morning. We begin with Joshua chapter 13. It says, but the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Makah. so they continued to live among the Israelites. Here it is, to this day. Flip over to Joshua chapter 15, Joshua 15, verse 63. Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. Flip over to chapter 16, Joshua 16, verse 10. They did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gizer. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. Skip over to Joshua 23. Joshua chapter 23, verse 9. Joshua 23, verse 9. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day... No one has been able to withstand you. Keep your Bibles open. We do not know for sure who the author of the book of Joshua was. The text does not identify who the author was. Many traditional Bible teachers insist that Joshua... The main character of the book of Joshua was the author of the book of Joshua. And it's possible he may have been, although I think that it is unlikely for uh, several reasons. Among them, number one, throughout the book uh, it would be unusual, not impossible, but unusual for Joshua to be the author when throughout the book he writes in third person, not first person. Uh, There are authors who include themselves in a, a story and write in third person, but it's not the common way of writing something that is autobiographical. In the Bible, you can look at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we believe, is the one who wrote the book of Nehemiah, and he writes in first person as opposed to third person. Another reason why it is unlikely that Joshua wrote the book that bears his name is because there are 12 instances in his 24 chapters in which you find this phrase to this day, 12 different places scattered throughout the book of Joshua that imply the passage of time between the time in which the events occurred that are described in the book versus the time in which the book itself was written. We've already read four of those places. There are eight more, and so I'd like to take you through those. Joshua chapter 4, verse 9. Way back, uh, just after the Israelites had crossed over the Jordan River, and Joshua had told one person from each tribe to get a stone from the valley from the bed of the Jordan River and bring it out and set up a monument. Joshua 4 verse 9 says, Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. Joshua chapter 5 verse 9, Then the Lord said to Joshua today, I have rolled away the approach, the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. This was right after Joshua had ordered the circumcision of all the males in the Israelites. Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her. Because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. This could mean that Rahab herself was still living at the time of writing. Or the Hebrew can be translated that her family, Rahab's family, the Rahab family, still lives with us to this day. It could be translated either way. Joshua chapter 7 verse 26 after Achan had been had, uh, stolen some of the bounty from Jericho and, and he had been found out and sentence had been leveled against him, chapter 7, verse 26, over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains, here it is, to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Joshua chapter 8, verse 28. Joshua burned Ai, the town of Ai, and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place to this day. Joshua chapter 8, verse 29 He, Joshua, impaled the body of the king of Ai on a pole and left it there until evening. At sunset, Joshua ordered them to take the body from the pole and throw it down at the entrance of the city gate, and they raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. Joshua chapter 9, verse 27, that day... Joshua made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place of the Lord that the Lord would choose and that is what they are to this day. In Joshua chapter 10 verse 27, at sunset Joshua gave the order and they took them down from the poles. And threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. These were a number of kings who had risen up against Israel. At the mouth of the cave they placed large rocks which are there to this day. To this day. In each of these passages you have this phrase that is uh, included in the context of a, a decision or action with a lasting result of having made that decision or that action. It is a phrase which when we study it throughout the book of Joshua, uh, we find some important principles about it. The fact that it occurs 12 times may be of importance. I don't have to tell you that in, in ancient Jewish thought, numbers had significance and the number 12 was one of the most significant of all it signified uh, the Jewish people, it signified the 12 sons of Jacob, it signified the 12 tribes of Israel. Later on, it it signified the 12 apostles of Christ. In the book of Revelation, late in the New Testament, uh, the number 12 and 24 and multiples of 12 symbolize the people of God. So it could be That the fact that the phrase at this time occurs 12 times in the book of Joshua, it may have some significance. It's it's very difficult to tell. But but one thing is for sure, each time we see this phrase, it, it carries with it the common denominators of there is a decision made, an action taken. And somewhere down the road, there is evidence of the result of that long ago decisions. And I think in that respect this phrase has something to say to us as well as it did to the people who first read the book of Joshua whenever and by whomever it was written. For one thing I think this this phrase teaches us that the decisions we make have lasting impact. The decisions we make have lasting impact. Many of us, perhaps all of us, can go back in our lives and think of some decision we made, some action we took, an action that was uh, very positive. And it has left a positive mark on our lives even though that decision we made was made long ago. Others of us have made decisions and behaved in ways that were totally unchrist-like, totally inappropriate. And even to this day, we are somewhat scarred by the decisions we made and by the actions that we took. The opening verses of this sermon, which were the last four instances of the phrase to this day in the book of Joshua, indicate something that had to do with whether or not the Israelites totally drove out the inhabitants of the land. Joshua chapter 13 verse 13 Indicates that they did not drive out the people of the land. But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Makkah. So they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. Interesting thing there is that God, early on, years before they were in Canaan, when Moses was still alive, he gave them specific instructions to wipe out everything that was in the land, everything that breathes, wipe it out. And yet... Chapter 13, verse 13 indicates that in disobeying that direct command of God, they allowed people of the land to remain among them. And if you go throughout uh, the end of, to the end of the book of Joshua and then move right on over to the book of Judges, the book of Judges lays out the dark impact of having allowed these people to remain in the land. Decisions that we make have lasting impact. Secondly, I think these phrases scattered throughout the book of Joshua tell us that when we make a choice, we also choose a consequence. I think one of the most tragic stories in the Scriptures is the story of Achan in Joshua chapter 4. You remember the story The first battle that the Israelites fought was the miraculous battle of the conquest of Jericho, and you remember the unusual instructions God gave the people: you're to, you're to, uh, on the first day you're to march around the city of Jericho one time; second day one time; third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, one time each; on the seventh day, march around it seven times and on the seventh time blow your instruments raise your voices and God will give you the city they followed these unusual and orthodox unorthodox instructions and upon uh, marching around the city on that seventh day the seventh time and raising the their instruments and raising their voices the Bible says that the walls of Jericho collapsed the people went in part of the instructions were that You are not to keep any of the bounty that you find in Jericho. That belongs to the Lord. There would be later battles. In fact, even their their next battle, which was the, the small town of Ai, there would be later battles wherein God said, you can have the bounty, but not in Jericho. But you remember that Achan went into Jericho and as he was, he was going from house to house doing what he was supposed to do, conquering the city little by little, he found a gold bar and he found uh, some silver and he found a fur coat that was Babylonian. And he craved these three items and he took them. Put them, I'm sure, under his long garment. And when he went back to his tent, back at the camp at Gilgal, he buried those three items. You don't bury something unless it's either dead or you know you shouldn't have it. He buried them. And then in the next battle to Ai, you remember the tragic defeat of the Israelites by the small army of the men of Ai, and Joshua was just beside himself. He got on his face before God. God, we'd have been better off staying on the other side of the Jordan. God, what happened? We thought these people, be, they'd be easy to conquer, and, and God says, Joshua, get up and stop praying. Israel has disobeyed my instructions, they partaken of the bounty that belonged to me. And and through through an investigation, another unusual uh, investigation, they found out that Achan is the one who had perpetrated this offense. And the Bible says that they took Achan and his family and they took them outside the camp and they stoned them, killed every one of them. And then after they killed him, they heaped a pile of rocks over him, which, again, one of these verses says, is still there to this day. You see, the the thing with Achan is, the moment he took that piece of gold, the moment that he took that silver, and the moment that he laid his hands tightly around that Babylonian garment, the moment he made those choices... At the same time, he chose a consequence. And it's true for us today. Those who are short-sighted among us or when most any of us make a decision without thinking about the long-term results, we, we make a tragic mistake or potentially a tragic mistake because the moment we make a choice, the moment we make a decision and then act upon that decision we make, we also choose a consequence. Joshua chapter 8 verse 28, so Joshua burned Ai and made it a permanent heap of ruins to this day. Ai chose a consequence, Joshua chapter 7 verse 28, over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks which remains to this day. When we make a choice, we choose a consequence. And then third, I think this phrase and its verses in context teach us that taking no action is also an action. There's a tension in the book of Joshua. I'll I'll touch on it a little bit later, but let me just touch on it briefly here. There's a tension, a conflict in the book of Joshua. On the one hand, there are these verses that indicate that they that they conquered the whole land of Canaan and nobody was able to withstand them, leaving the impression that they were successful in the conquest of the entire land and, and its peoples. There are many other verses also in the same book of Joshua which indicate that They were not able to root out all the people of the land. And so you have this tension between these verses that indicate total conquest versus these verses that indicate that maybe there was not a total conquest. When we read about those places where Israel still allowed some of the Canaanite people to remain in the land. For instance, uh, Joshua chapter 15 verse 63. Judah one of the tribes, could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. Chapter 13, verse 13. But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Macah, so they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. These are two verses uh, among several verses that indicate that they were not able to. In some cases, they fought, the Israelites fought against these people and were unsuccessful in Rooting them out in uh, at other times. They simply took no action God had told them I have given you this land these people will not be able To stand against you you will destroy them because I've already given them into your hand But there were times when the Israelites either didn't believe God enough to make that happen though they may have tried But there were other times when they simply didn't take any action at all. But again, when you read the book of Judges it is pretty clear, darkly clear, that taking no action is still an action that in this case reaps some very devastating results. Some of you Remember the news story. March the 13th, 1964, New York City, Kitty Genovese. Do you remember the name, Kitty Genovese? She was 28 years old. She was walking down the sidewalk in New York and she was attacked by a man and he assaulted her and he. Uh, stabbed her. And there were somewhere in the neighborhood, the reports are, are, are conflictive, but there, there was somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20 to 35 or 36 people who witnessed the crime, most of whom never did anything. There were a couple who did not intervene except to say, leave that girl alone from their second and third floor window as they watched what was going on. And, and the young man then left, the young 28-year-old woman, Kitty Genovese, and she, although she was badly injured, fatally injured as it turned out, she made her way down into a more secluded area near her apartment as she was trying to get to her apartment. But she tried to get into the building and the door that she tried to get into was locked and she couldn't get into it. And the, the, the young man, the perpetrator, after some time came back with a wide brim hat that he didn't have on the first time and he came back in and he finished the job. But the story that went down through the years that, that has caught the most attention is, is in addition to the fact that a young 28-year-old woman was brutally assaulted and murdered was the fact that so many people witnessed what was going on and yet did not intervene. You know, it spawned the, the uh, reality TV show on one of the networks, I forget which network, What Would You Do? You've seen that at least I'm sure, promoted. What would you do in a certain case? Would you intervene? In fact, the Kitty Genovese incident spawned a, a, a worldwide psychological uh, phenomenon or the study of a psychological phenomenon known as the bystander effect. And what they found is that when there's something that happens, such as a murder or robbery or, or, or someone acting inappropriately in public, the more people who witness it, the less likely those people, anybody in that group, is willing to intervene. But the smaller the crowd, the more likely someone is willing to intervene. My point here is Taking no action is still an action. The people who didn't intervene in Kitty Genovese's case, their inaction was a tragic action. Israel sometimes took no action and it resulted in the Canaanites staying in the land. Number four, in retrospect, people will have different interpretations of our decisions and their results. One of the ongoing decisions about Joshua, I've already touched on this, is, is what to do with those seemingly inconsistent verses concerning whether the Israelites were able to wipe them out, wipe the Canaanites out totally, or whether they were not able to wipe them out. Chapter 16, verse 10, they did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gizer. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. That verse, among others... Seems to imply that they were not able to put all the people out. On the other hand, you have chapter 23, verse 9, which says, The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. Unlike the earlier verse, this verse suggests that no one was able to withstand the Israelites in their conquest. What do these verses teach us? There are different answers that I won't go through in this message, but I I think one of the things that we can say is that when, when you decide something, when you make a decision, and that decision gives birth to an action, people who observe that action will interpret it in different ways. Some people, you, you may take a good action, an action meant to help people at large, and people will, other people will look at your action and, and they will see in it some sort of uh, malevolent motive. You just did that for attention. Or you just did that uh, for people, for some certain person or group to see what you did, to draw attention to yourself. You just did that because you're selfish. Other people, on the other hand, will see what you did, to help someone else and they see it as a benevolent rather than malevolent act. But one thing that I have uh, learned the hard way and and you have too, you've you've learned it better than I, you folks are better students than I, what what we've learned is this, you cannot control how people interpret what you do. They're just going to interpret it how they want to interpret it and sometimes it's going to absolutely kill you in your heart but you can't control how people interpret what you do, the only thing you and I can do is control what we do, the decisions we make and and leave the results in the hands of the Lord He knows our hearts, He knows your motives, He knows the sincerity or insincerity of our hearts as 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 hard as it is, and it's a whole lot harder to do than it is to say it, leave it in the hands of the Lord. (laughs) And then finally, as a result of all these things I've been talking about here, careful thought must be given to the choices we make. Because of the fact that our decisions have lasting impact, because when we make a choice we also make, choose a consequence, because uh, uh, there is no such thing really as taking no action, because taking no action really is an action, because people have different interpretations of our decisions and actions and their results, because of all these things, we need to be very careful the decisions that we make in life. Some people, and I guess I should say all of us at times make decisions on a whim, take actions on the spur of a a moment impulse. Many of us are feelings-oriented and we, we act on our feelings without our brains getting in gear. But this repeated phrase, to this day, the leaving of a mark That is a a long-lasting mark that is the result of a long-ago decision. This phrase shows us that we must take the time to think through the decisions we make so that our actions reflect the Christ we claim to serve. It grieves me that we live in a day when people do so little thinking about their actions. Last Saturday, August the 12th, a lot of things happen, you know. Makes you kind of sick to your stomach to watch the news for very long these days. Last Saturday, August 12th, about 1.30 in the afternoon in Charlottesville, Virginia, Alex Fields Jr. made a choice. Mr. Fields decided to ram his Dodge Challenger into a crowd of counter-protesters. In doing so, he killed a 32-year-old woman and he injured at least 19 others. The decision that he carried out lasted less than a minute, but the impact of his choice will last forever. Do you grieve with me that we live in a world where people have stopped thinking? I shudder to think that 50, 100 years, 150 years down the road, if the Lord tarries his coming, and let me just say I hope he doesn't, I shudder to think What people will say with the phrase, and to this day, this is the way things are. Wow. Boy, we need Jesus more than at any other time that I, in my lifetime. Let's pray. Our Father, I've preached long and these people have been patient. There are negative things to be brought out of this message. But Lord, I want to end on a positive. Because roughly 2,000 years ago, you came to earth. And you lived sinlessly. And you died on a cross. And before that weekend was over, you rose from the dead. And to this day, you are alive. And to this day, we who place our hope in you have a future that is bright to this day. In Jesus' name, amen.